Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71 features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. My boyfriend, 23 in male, and I, 23 in female, recently decided that we wanted to take the new tent that we bought on its first trip. The tent was one that hooks up to your car to provide more storage space, and we were excited to try it out. We had planned a a kayaking trip the next day at a kayak rental shop. It was supposed to be a nice, inexpensive, outdoorsy weekend getaway. But we tend to book things last minute, so all the state parks and professional campgrounds were full. This led us to a website that is essentially an Airbnb for campsites. The place that we chose was a 100 acre property just 20 minutes south of the kayak shop. All the sites in the area, it was described as having working bathrooms, showers, it allowed for campfires and all the sites were car accessible, important for a car dependent tent. This site was also the most reviewed in the area with 3 5 out of 5 star reviews. But the area was very rural, so we didn't think much about the lower number of reviews for any of the campsites. The renter was Mary, who only ever texted us updates, but seemed sweet enough. Anyway, we start out our two-hour drive a bit later than anticipated, which put us behind the 11am time that we originally informed the host, but we tried to keep her updated with the new schedule. She just told us that to let her know when we arrive at the address that she sent us. We arrived to the address, and we're greeted with the barn from the pictures. It had string lights lit up all over it, seemed fairly new, and just gave a nice feel to it. We sit in the car for a minute, and struggle with cell service to text the host to let her know that we had arrived. Ten minutes after our text sends, a really sweaty man who appeared to be in his 60s pulls up in an ATV. He lets us know that he's the father-in-law to Mary and she's busy taking care of the seasonal harvest and sent him instead or something. 
He lets us know that we can take the car anywhere on the property and offers to show us around on the ATV. My boyfriend, visibly uncomfortable, declines the offer though and asks a few more questions about the woods and how far into them we're allowed to take the car. Anywhere, he said. We can go anywhere. And the ATV man even offers to help pull my car out if it gets stuck. We ask one final question about cell service and he jokes that if we're from around here then we'll understand that reception works better on one side of the barn than the other. I am from around here and thought that it was funny but once he said that I realized he didn't have any ounce of an accent for here like he should which was odd to me. Eventually he leaves though and we begin exploring the property on foot. The barn has all the lights on in the middle of the day and it looks nice and maintained. It's insulated and has a working kitchen as well. The only warning that we got was to not drink the water. It seemed like a place that would host maybe a small 50 guest wedding or something. We walked past a shed out behind the barn to get to the trails that ran through the woods. After going through a hike that my car would have never survived, we decided that it might be best to just camp by a small creek and we chose a spot on the side opposite of the barn. We were still within walking distance, but we used my car as a sort of buffer to feel a bit more isolated. We choose our spot, and then we go into the main town to eat, and we walk around. We message Mary about the fire policy, and she tells us that they'll deliver a fire into the barn for us to take to camp. We arrive back at the barn about an hour and a half from nighttime. We drive by the barn, and the lights have been turned off. We assumed that it was on a timer as to not waste energy or money. We also noticed the fire ring had not yet been delivered. We start the grueling 30 minute setup in the sticky heat and reward ourselves with a sit in the air conditioned car. We notice that it looks like it's about to rain so my boyfriend and I pull out our card game and wait for it to pass in the car. It only lasted about 10 minutes but it is starting to be sunset at this point. The tent held up nicely so we felt okay leaving it for a second and needing to use the bathroom we start walking to the barn. As we cross the creek we then hear what sounds to be like someone in the shed behind the barn. They sound like they're moving things around, a, a bit unsettling but I tell my boyfriend that maybe they used equipment today and it's just sitting in there making the cracking cool off noise the equipment sometimes does. We get to the barn in any case and the lights are still off but the fire ring is there. We go in and check to make sure the power is off and it's not just the lights outside. None of the light switches will work. So we assume that the power is cut. Again though, maybe it's just on a timer or something. No worries. We step out of the barn and get 10 feet away and... We then hear a hum in the distance to the opposite side of the shed and the power to the barn is suddenly restored. Maybe it's the weather. We change direction to use the bathroom and as soon as we step inside, the power cuts and the hum stops. I don't know why, but at this I start to get a weird feeling and I can tell that he has it too. I look to my boyfriend and say, maybe they're just watching us. I immediately follow it up with, no, that's a lot worse. We walk back outside and the lights turn on. My boyfriend says that we probably should leave at this point and I have the same gut-wrenching primal fear. We put the ring back by the barn since we had moved it 10 feet 
and the barn lights start flickering. We briskly walk back to the car. The 30 minute setup was torn down in like 5 minutes and we jump in the car and we lock it. I managed to get my car going pretty quickly, thanking God that the rain did not get my car stuck. We start toward the driveway and just as we made it to the road, my boyfriend looks back and sees a man standing by the shed just watching us. As soon as my car pulls off onto the road, we get a text from Mary letting us know that the firing is out by the barn. She also informs us that we're welcome to stay in the barn if the rain had messed up our camping experience. We arrive at a nice hotel, willing to splurge for the safety. At this point, it's 10pm at the earliest. A sweet old lady checks us in, desperate for validation and just comfort from anyone. We tell her what had just happened to us at the campsite. She looks shocked. She asks us if we had seen the news lately, which we both respond that we hadn't. The lady tells us that couples in the state have been going missing apparently. All of them had gone camping. Three couples were truly missing and one was recently found on the side of a freeway, pretty much slashed to near death. They are, at the time of sharing this, still recovering in the hospital. We couldn't find any articles about where in the state, but the look on the lady's face suggested that it was probably somewhere near us. We get to our room and text Mary to tell her that we're not staying anymore. All they send is, thank you for staying with us. We lock the door to our hotel room and I just break down in tears. I will never forget that feeling that I got at the barn. The primal flight or fight feeling and the feeling of just being watched like that. I feel it in my throat just sharing this too. I never, ever want to experience anything like that again. So, for some background on my family and whatnot, I'm a 27-year-old female and married to my husband who is 31, and we have two children. Their names are Isaac, he's 8 and male, and he's from my first marriage, and Tiana with my now husband who's 5 and female. So, this whole situation started somewhere around May of 2022 when me and Isaac were at the local park just doing our own thing. My son was just playing with some other child at the monkey bars when I saw this woman approach me. She had red hair, pretty sure it was natural, and her face seemed tear-stained. I became concerned as I thought that she was crying. I proceeded to ask her what was wrong, if she was alright, but she just kept staring at my son. The more she looked at him too, the more she sobbed. Then, all of a sudden, she sprints to him running and screaming, Michael. She kept calling him that and it obviously freaked me out. I mean, she was running to my kid and calling him a different name. My son and the other child, they got scared and I approached them before she did as I was faster than her. I then screamed at her to get lost, but she just stood there as I held my son and she seemed pretty enraged. She then muttered some things, but I couldn't hear her as she stomped away. The other child's father and I talked for a bit and he seemed alarmed by what happened too. He predicted that she was probably a, a grieving mother and that my son looked like the child that she lost. I was still disturbed and so I took my son home. 
Since then, I've been a bit afraid to take any of my children to any public areas despite my husband's reassurance. But skip to June 2nd of 2022, I get a call from my school stating that a woman, who was a new volunteer for lunch duty, kept mentioning that my son was her Mikey bear and that she's been looking for him for years. They told me that another volunteer who had been working with her reported this. Obviously, this scared me and I acted immediately by signing my kids out for the day. When I called the school the next day, I was informed that she was no longer there, so I was pretty freaked out. But skip to July 13th of 2022. It was Tiana's fifth birthday and we decided to host it at a park in my in-law's hometown. Everything went well, although I was pretty paranoid. It was somewhere around 9pm when we began sort of tidying up and as I looked at many oak trees behind us, I could have sworn that I saw her again. I screamed at the top of my lungs and started chasing after her but she somehow got away. Ever since then I haven't seen her but I feel that this is just not the end of it. At this point, I'm seriously considering homeschooling my children because of everything that's happened, but I don't know, what do you guys think that I should do? Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. I moved into this place a couple of months ago with my parents. We also have a dog. And a couple of weeks after we moved in, I tried to open the attic door. There's no ladder. But just with a broom as it was almost opened anyway and... It sort of halfway dropped, but seemed like it was being, I don't know, held up by something. I didn't bother and thought that it just could have been stuck there, but two weeks later I go back to look at the attic and the door is in the spot that it was originally in. Weird, I thought. A month or so later, 
My dog usually doesn't have problems with me and my family leave the house, but now she does. She will hide under tables and start to panic, etc. And at night, I, I usually hear footsteps and loud bangs sometimes. My parents are deep sleepers and they don't wake up during the night, so I know it's not them. But when I wake up and go to check out the loud bangs, nothing has fallen. I don't know if I'm going crazy or if I'm just nervous about this new house, but I went all around my house checking any closets and crawl spaces. Didn't find anything. After that, I went to try and open the attic door, but it seems like it had been boarded up, like shut from the inside or something. And it could have been the old owners, but I think that there might be someone up in the attic at this point. Anyway, I call the police eventually and they send officers up there to check it out. And I couldn't believe it. The police, they found a sleeping bag and a ton of boxes full of stuff. No people, mind you, but still. I'm thinking it could have been one of the old owner's stuff or at some point there was... Maybe someone up in the attic. I'm really shocked but comforted that there was nobody currently in my attic. My parents and I are going to board it up just to make sure that nothing like this ever happens again. But man, it's just crazy. So I grew up in the woods and have many stories about strange goings on. But this one happened a few weeks ago and I just thought that I should share it here because this seems like a good place to put it. So I had just left my mother's house and was driving back to mine down a back road that I've driven down many times before. I knew this road like the back of my hand and could drive down it with my eyes closed in reverse. No, I haven't actually done that but you get the point. And as I was getting to the halfway point down this road... There was a thick fog which is nothing new as there's fog on this road all the time. However, I was driving slowly and started taking turns I really don't remember. There was a, a 90 degree right when it should have been a left, followed by a wide left turn that felt like a, a full circle. Then I drove straight for about 5 minutes with no hills or drops and that road never has a flat section that long. But there was then a left hand turn up a hill. And as I was going up, all the hair suddenly stood up on my body and I almost turned around, but I decided to keep going because, well, I really don't know why, to be honest. This is when I pulled my gun from my glove box and I had it on my lap. When I looked back to the road, some dude was just crouched in the middle of it. I slammed on my brakes and he didn't even flinch. I figured that it was just some dude going frog hunting or something as many people on that road do just that. I honked my horn and the guy stood up but he was massive like at least seven and a half feet tall thin as anything and his arms were just way too long. It also looked like he didn't have any clothes on either. I laid on the horn again and clicked off the safety on my pistol just in case he turned his head in what seemed like almost a, a full 180 degree turn. And his eyes, they had a like predator glow, like a wolf or a cat. And I raised my gun and leaned out the window telling him to get lost. He took a few steps toward me. And I know that this was stupid, but I tried to pull the trigger and my gun just didn't fire. The hammer clicked, but there was no boom. 
At that, I whipped the car around faster than I ever have done before. I then just flew down the road at at least 20 miles per hour over the speed limit. About 30 seconds after, I turned around and I realized that all of a sudden I recognized all the turns in the hills again. I was driving down the road like I'd never taken that first right. I went back during the day and still don't know where I took a wrong turn. There are no side streets down that road that are paved and certainly no straightaway as long as the one that I drove. I also went to the range a day or two later and put that same round in the chamber and it fired, no problem. To this day, I really don't have any idea as to what happened. I also don't drive that way at night anymore. Please, tell me someone knows what I saw. None of my friends believe me and even my mother doesn't. But I know that I'm not crazy. I know that this happened. I'll give any extra details that you guys need, but please, if you know anything about what might have happened to me, then do let me know. The ghetto where I'm from is divided by a golf course. One side of the street is project housing and the other side is nicer homes built in the 30s to 90s before the projects were there. I lived in a 1934 two-bedroom house, bright yellow tile. I was 26 and I lived with my girlfriend who was 24 at the time. After living there a few months, my girlfriend started saying that she felt uneasy in the hallway which was very small and had a crawl space in the ceiling. I brought my dad over to get up there and take a bit of a look because, you know, it could be something scary up there. But he found nothing, just insulation. Anyway, a while later I took a nap for about two hours. My girlfriend in the next room was folding laundry after work. She comes to wake me up, shaking my shoulder. She asks how long I had been asleep for. I said a couple of hours. And she said, so you didn't just walk through the house? I said no. She said, but I just saw you walk through the hallway. I, are you sure? Yeah. Well, it wasn't me. Plus, there's nobody else in the house. Fast forward a year, I'm trying to quit smoking and I lost my vape at some point. My buddy had been staying at my house for a couple of weeks He's helping me look for my vape. I walk out to the car and get into the driver's seat. I'm sort of digging between the seat and the gear shift. When suddenly, something or someone is talking right in my ear. Not whispering, right in my left ear. It said, there's that SOB right there. I'm frozen. It's the dead of night. No one around. But my buddy is still inside. I finally, after about a minute of complete silence open the car door and I go back inside. I tell him what just happened and that's when he said, probably the same person that calls my name at night. Apparently, he's been hearing someone say his name from behind him on the couch that he slept on at night. I'm creeped out by that but not enough to move. I mean, the rent was great and I was not easily shaken either. Fast forward a few months though my mum comes over to pick me up to go shopping. I throw on a shirt in front of the hallway and say, Hey, how's this for today? My mum turned around and her eyes go over my head. She starts to back up and tries to adjust her eyes. I said, What? 
She said, a black shadow just went up the wall behind you and into that room. And I remember thinking at the time, oh, so there's now that too. Fast forward to a few months later, I'm watching TV in the living room with my buddy. When we hear a loud bang and we go into our kitchen and all the cabinets are open. There was also a single jar of Nutella on the floor and a huge punch hole in the wall beside the refrigerator. That one was definitely interesting for a lack of a better term, but I'm still not leaving. Fast forward a few more months, my buddy moved out, my girlfriend and I have broken up and she moved. I was living there alone for the first time. I go to lay down one night and my bed was freshly made so the covers were tight. I cut the light off and I laid my head back when suddenly there was pressure on each side of my feet like something has one hand beside each side of my feet and was pressing down as if to look over top of me or something. It lasted all of 30 seconds before I sat up and I cut the light on again but when I did there was nothing there. Still though I refused to move at this point. Fast forward again somewhat, I get a new girlfriend, she starts sleeping over, says that she sees faces in the mirror in the hallway. I'm like, yeah, weird things happen here. Nothing has ever tried to harm me, so I stay. This goes on for a couple of months until one day I come home to my girlfriend on the porch. It's dark and she says that she refuses to go back into the house while I'm gone. She convinces me to move at this point. I'm in love as well. I wanted her to be comfortable. We're in our new house and I'm on my laptop one day going through old photos and videos taking at the old haunted house. And I find videos of myself being recorded from my laptop but I'm not pressing record and I don't remember anyone taking these. It was videos of me watching TV, working out, leaving my bedroom and walking through the house. It stops on its own. All the videos were about a minute or so long, but it was really weird. After this too, I went to the courthouse and found records where the owner and also the town sheriff had apparently died there of old age. And the community seems to believe too that there was a brothel there at some point due to a red light on the porch or something. I'm sure that that was just a rumor, but one of the neighbors said that someone had actually shot themselves in that house but apparently there was no record of it. I could just go on and on too about other instances in that old house, but I've gone on long enough. It was 2009 to 2013. The rent was good, and to be honest, I kind of wish that I had never left. Anyway, all the events in that house are definitely something that I'm going to carry with me. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, literally. Cornfields and cows with the occasional sprinkling of houses filled with people who tended to the cornfields and cows is where I grew up. So as any teenager in the country would do, I spent a lot of time exploring abandoned buildings. Houses, barns, restaurants, anything that I could manage to get into. I had just gotten a new job in a town as well that I didn't usually go to and of course immediately asked the locals about the scary stories in the town. I was told over and over again a story from the 80s of a woman who caught her husband cheating and came home one day and blew his brains out while he was asleep apparently. 
She then went on to end her own life behind the house. According to the local legend, the police never even cleaned the crime scene up. They removed their bodies, but there were many pieces of the husband left behind on the floors and the walls. Immediately, I was pretty interested in this. I asked where the house was and was surprised to learn that it was only 10 minutes away from where I was working. Now, don't get me wrong, I felt brave, but as a young female, I wasn't about to explore this haunted murder house by myself. I texted some friends of mine the road that it was on and asked them to meet me there that night. They of course had nothing else to do, so they agreed. I got off work at around 10pm and met my friends in the front of the house. It was a small white farmhouse, heavily overgrown with weeds and barely visible from the road. I had no idea how we were going to get into it, but I knew that I had to see what was inside. Me and my three friends, two guys and one girl, looked all around and saw my one guy friend found a window that wasn't locked. He was far too large to crawl through, so my smaller guy friend crawled through and unlocked the back door. We climbed through the weeds and we made our way into the house. By the light of our flashlights, we began to explore and the house seemed pretty much untouched. There were dishes in the sink and old boxes of food in the cabinets. The walls were a mixture of yellow from long-term smoking and patches of brown, which could have been mold or could have been pieces of, well, the husband, who knows. But I wasn't about to touch it. My guy friends took off into the bedroom and my girlfriend and I looked for the basement. After some searching, we found the steps to the basement. It was a dark and cave-like unfinished basement with lights dangling from the ceiling that most likely hadn't been turned on in like decades. But the basement had two sections. The first one that you were immediately in was a laundry or sort of washroom. Then behind that was an open storage room. And this is where things started to really turn. You see, we walked into the storage room and we were met by a giant red painted pentagram on the floor. There were shelves all over the walls filled with what appeared to be jars of dead animal parts and blood. There were half-burned candles, upside-down crosses, and notebooks that were falling apart from years of moisture and mold in the air. Suffice it to say, we were pretty creeped out by this. It wasn't until a bit later, too, that I understood what I had saw, but at the time I didn't know much about the rituals that they were most likely performing in this basement. I have no way of knowing if the husband and the wife had done this, or if it had been done by other fellow trespassers, but... It didn't seem to be very recent. In any case, we decided that we'd had enough of the creepy basement at this point and we head upstairs, only to be greeted by the loud sound of shattering glass. One of my guy friends had decided to grab a bat from his car and bust out the old TV. We both screamed at him to stop. I mean, yes, I definitely trespassed, but I was never a vandalizer. After taking a few more swings, he stops though and... Instead of turning around to yell at me, he starts staring at the kitchen window behind me and his face looked absolutely terrified. Thinking that he was messing with me, I, I tell him to stop being weird and we needed to leave before the cops came and saw this mess. At this time, my friend shifts his gaze from the window and looks at me. He points back to the window and says, what is that? I sort of laugh, again thinking that he's messing with me, but he doesn't laugh. Finally, I turn around and I also see movement in the field behind us, slowly getting closer and closer to the house. 
We all stand at the window waiting for whatever it is to come out of the field and into the open part of the backyard. A few seconds go by before we see a woman in a long grey nightgown holding a brick in her hand running towards the back window. At this point, she was mere feet away and we all ducked down below the window thinking that she was going to throw the brick through it and we needed to try and avoid the shards of glass. And she did. The window shattered so loud my ears started to ring but I didn't feel any glass. After a few seconds, we all stood up and looked through the hole where the window once was. The woman... She was gone, and the glass that was shattered from the window was outside on the lawn. I still don't know how this is possible, but she threw the brick at the window. The brick was laying inside on the floor, but the window, the glass, it was broken and outside instead of inside. We all shared a collective, man, to heck with this, and ran out of the house and back to our cars. We spoke about it a few times after, but never to anyone else since we were convinced that they wouldn't believe us. The house has since been torn down and the lot is now an extension of the field from behind it. And to this day, I don't know exactly what we saw that night, but I know that I'm certainly glad that the house is no longer there. I was at a warehouse party that is used as an underground venue. I had a couple of drinks and was chatting with a few people when I saw a friend of mine. John and I had been friends since middle school, in my 30s now, and our friendship only deepened after we graduated from high school. We have had many one-on-one hangouts, dinner drinks at a bar, etc. And nothing has ever been weird or awkward between us. We would discuss the typical topics of family, hobbies, politics, stuff like that. John has always been a bit of a, a loner type, I guess, but maintained a few close friendships and I always chalked it up to him being a bit shy. Overall, I just perceived him as a good person and one of the few male friends that I could trust. Anyway, we engaged in conversation and everything was going completely as usual. Then he randomly mentioned that he was jealous of me and this took me aback as at the time nothing was particularly great about my life. Low wage job, no serious significant other, a terrible car, etc. But I began questioning him about why he would be jealous of me and several times he tried to change the subject. I kept pressing him, he sounded depressed and I thought that he needed to open up or something. He goes on to say that he's jealous of the way that I interact with people, how naturally it comes to me how I always have a positive energy about me and how I genuinely care about things. I tell him, well, there must be something you care about. But he proceeds to tell me that he doesn't care about anything or anyone and never has. That all of his friendships are based around similar hobbies, but he genuinely doesn't love or care about a single person that he's ever known. I was very disturbed at this point as I could tell that he was being completely sincere. I asked, well, what about Carlos? Carlos is a mutual friend and the person that I thought to be John's closest friend. He replied, even Carlos. I kept asking him different questions like, not even your mum or your sister? And he was like, no, I don't care about them. I don't hate them, but I don't love them. I never have. 
This conversation carries on for a good 30 minutes or so. He describes his thought process about a myriad of things in life since he was a child, basically devoid of feeling and knowing that he was different from others. John and I have taken psychedelics many times, not together, so I asked him, what do you experience when you trip? He replied, oh, visual hallucinations, but mentally all my trips are the same, they're just very dark. I don't have euphoric love or other bliss feelings that some people describe. I have dark fantasies. He goes on to say that he has a proclivity for violence, that it is the only thing that he thinks about that makes him feel anything at all. Then he tells me that he's also killed someone. At this point, the room is spinning around me. I'm utterly terrified and had been for a while and was silently screaming in panic. I didn't feel threatened by him, but I could tell that he was being completely sincere. I've known him since we were kids. He was calm. My eyes were darting around the room, though, when they weren't met with his, looking for an exit alibi. He starts in on the details of the murder. Apparently, he shot a man in the head, a stranger who was unsuspecting. He didn't go into much detail. He was apologizing to me profusely between every detail that he did tell, saying that he deeply regrets telling me all of this about himself, that I'm a beautiful person and that he can't believe I'm the one that he confessed to. He mentions many times that I'm the only person that he's ever told any of this to. He also tells me that he doesn't regret it. He then says that he's going to end it all now, that he's admitted this to me and because all he wants to do is kill people. He then says that he's going to end himself now that he's admitted this to me, and because all he wants to do is kill people, particularly strangers. He then says that if he doesn't end himself, that he'll do it again. We discuss therapy and other options, but ultimately he says that he's going to do it, and now I know why. This entire conversation lasted about two and a half hours. At the end, he swears me to secrecy and tells me that I've been a good friend and gives me his last goodbyes. And now, I'm sure you're wondering, did he actually follow through with it? Well, no, he didn't. And I ended up confiding in a few mutual friends, basically stating, stay away from John. I didn't go to the police as John told me that I was the only person he'd ever confided in. But one of my friends who I confided in did go to the police. I don't think anything came of it in the end. John reached out to me several months later telling me that he desperately wanted to kill again. The desire was so strong and he wishes that he could just do it to himself. I blocked him after this on everything. But I did run into him at another party about a year later and we exchanged greetings like nothing weird had ever happened between us. It was the strangest thing and I dread running into him again. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. 
It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.